When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. I'm Adrienne Caesar. And I'm Koi Caesar. And you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and that includes the three in the room here. And it's quite ironic that my phone happened to ring yesterday with a text message, within a day or two, I should say, because I can't keep my time straight. But... We, before we go over to the Monster Mania convention, which is across the parking lot from where I sit at this lovely Hilton Gardens, which happens to be celebrating the 35th anniversary of Dream Warriors. However, three years prior, 
in November of 1984. There was a little film that started it all called Nightmare on Elm Street. And the two lovely ladies that I'm sitting on Zoom with happened to have a nice little piece of that pie. And that's the, you guys would know them, I should say, as Elm Street's Jump Rope Girls, which obviously you see throughout the whole series, but these two started it all. Ladies, how are we doing? And who is who? So I know. Sure, we're doing great. And thanks for having us. I'm Adrienne Caesar. And I'm Koi Caesar. <laughs> All right. So that way I know I was texting with Adrian and everything. That's why I said I heard my phone go off the other day and we were getting this <laughs> scheduled. I was teasing her, full disclosure. She said she, uh, when we were confirming the time for this, I said, she's like, oh, I went and picked up my kid from school. I said, you sure you like your kid? So <laughs> I'm like, but that's here and there. That's a whole different story. So anyway, ladies, welcome. And if I have this correct from our previous discussions before we had to reschedule, this is actually your first major interview, correct? Correct. We've done um, a couple of small podcasts but nothing of this magnitude yet well i appreciate the credit so <laughs> i should mention as well i think it's uh appropriate you folks the listeners would also know their father tony who Correct. is a famous stuntman and he had at the time, I don't know what the record is now, but he had on film the longest burn scene. And it happens to be the same film, Nightmare on Elm Street. Go figure, when Freddy was leaving the basement. Who would have thought that the connection was there? So, like I said, 38 years later, are you surprised that the film has had as much traction as it has. I don't think either of us really knew how big it was at the time when we were doing it. I don't think we could understand the gravity of how big it might be later on. And I think even to this day, we've only been at a few conventions, mostly helping our dad. And we were blessed enough to sign at one. And we are just really amazed by the following and how many fans there are out there and people that have just loved this film for, like you said, 38 years. I think it's one of the classics and Wes made an incredible film. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I don't think we knew exactly how, how what it was going to lead to. Uh, we knew Wes was uh, pretty creative and we knew obviously kind of where he was going with his career, but um, I don't think we thought the, the film would hold this long. Um, but then again, our dad's legacy in the business is pretty awesome as well. So, you know, kind of just looking at the magnitude of all of that together, it, it just is a great, it's a great following. Exactly. And this obviously conversation isn't fully about your father, but I just remembered, as I mentioned about the burn scene <laughs> and obviously he's got a lengthy career himself 
Correct. as a stuntman and everything else. But he was in back-to-back films in 84 that were really tied to my childhood. And that being Nightmare on Elm Street, because why would you torture me or my cousins? Thank you very much at two and a half, three years old. <laughs> and I've been stuck to the franchise since. But the other film that came to my mind was Ghostbusters. Right. Mm-hmm. So was it you guys that said to dad, hey, uh, can we do something on screen or when you go and play and make movies and something? Or did he say, hey, girls, uh, what do you think about whatever? So it was a really funny story how it came to be. Um, my sister, she was a bit younger than I was. So at about eight, I knew a little bit about what my dad was doing, but, and I'd always joked about wanting to go and be on film. And I think he thought, sure, she's just little. She doesn't really know what she means. And so nothing ever came of it. And then um, one of the makeup artists slash wardrobe uh, women on the show, her name was Ramona. She was an incredible woman, still is. Um, she was just absolutely fabulous and a lot of fun. And they were looking for young girls to play the jump rope girls for this film. And she was talking to Wes one day and she said, well, I know we need little girls for this film. And she says, I know Tony's got two daughters. We'd met her a couple of times. We would talked crazy 80s cartoons and that with her because she just loved all of that stuff, too. And, you know, Wes said, you know, I'm good with it if Tony's good with it. So he talked to our dad and then our dad and our mom discussed it. And then they just brought it to us and said, you know, this is something would you girls like to do it, like to consider it. And then I immediately jumped at it. I don't know that you were as <laughs> up I, for it, were you? <laughs> I just kind of was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't really know what I was getting into. So, <laughs> well, obviously his name has been dropped. Mr. Wes Craven, creative legend. I would say Mensa student, even though I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him, but just from everybody you hear talk about him, the intelligence. He was also a history guy, but also English and everything else taught. Everybody knows his story. So what kind of relationship did you guys have with Wes? Or did you have one at all? Because I know I knew... If I remember the story correctly, your dad had a pretty good relationship with Wes as well. Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven was more like family to us, um, at least for, from my point of view. Uh, Wes Craven was kind of like the uncle. Um, and uh, we used to go out and have breakfast and uh, hang out. He used to cut my pancakes occasionally when we were out and my dad had to disappear or something. Uh, so uh, Wes Craven was definitely, I think, more of that family figure in our lives. Uh, we we knew what he did, but I don't really think it it hit us at that time frame, uh, the magnitude of who he was, but um, he was definitely more of family for us, I think. Uh, I think he was just, he, he was, he was just like good old, he was like good old Uncle Wes and he was just incredible and just fun to be around and so smart and so intelligent. And so witty. And he just, you know, I mean, I spent a little bit more time on sets with my dad as I got a little bit older, helping him behind the scenes. So 
Um, unfortunately, my sister didn't get to see Wes in a work capacity as much as I did. And he was just incredible about it all. I mean, he was just so caring for the cast and the crew and his ideas and the things that he did and that he was always, you know, willing to, you know, work with somebody and kind of get, you know, a different take on things. I mean, I know, obviously, like you said, this interview isn't about our dad, but our dad and Wes had not only a work relationship for over 20 years, but a great friend relationship. But, you know, Wes was one of those people on set and that that if he knew somebody else had some expertise about something like a stunt you know he was amazing about you know saying well hey Tony what do you think about this and that and everybody that ever worked with him or knew him on a personal level just thought he was incredible and, and we were just very very honored to you know call him friend and family he was just a really great guy right on it Obviously, I wanted to acknowledge Wes because how could you not with the start of the franchise? But, you know, you had a Toxic Avenger and Shocker and Scream and you know, yada, yada, yada. His resume's out there for the legacy he left professionally. So it's good to hear a little bit of the personal side as well of the man, not just the director, writer, all that fun stuff. You mentioned about doing a signing and I believe that was Horrorhound that you signed for doing a signing with your father correct? because he's been doing some cons and stuff lately mostly Horrorhound from what I've seen like I said I'm getting ready to enter a show here in the Philadelphia area and I don't know how well you would know two of the folks here at the show one being Robert England and Heather Lyon did you have any interaction with them? And is there any relationship with folks like that post-filming? Obviously, you were kids at the time. You know, especially with the con circuit and all. Do you guys have a relationship with those guys currently? I think it's for me, it's just a great amount of respect. Um, uh, when we did the the actual shoot, um, they kind of kept Robert away from where the kids were. Um, so I didn't really we, that day. I don't know if we necessarily got to run into him or see him. No. Um, but I mean, as far as seeing like being at cons and that and kind of like if we do any run ins or whatever, um, it's it's always just fun to see them because it's it brings us back to that time frame when we were there. Um, so I wouldn't say that there's a, there's a rapport off, off haunt, like the haunts or the, the cons and that, but um, there's just a great amount of respect because obviously everybody was there to do a job and uh, clearly the job did well, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they've quite their legacies of their own. Um, yeah. I think uh, Ramona is probably like, we wish we would run into her once in a while and see her, but yeah. I mean, we've said, you know, we've said hello to a couple of different ones, you know, when we were signing um, a couple of the wonderful actresses from, you know, nightmare three and four were there. Mm -hmm. And because this was our first event and we really had no idea what to expect. I mean, in full disclosure and in full honesty, we really didn't think that, anyone would come to a con to see us as jump rope girls. We really had no idea at the time what kind of capacity that 
shot that we did and that song that we memorized and sang, we really didn't know how much it just truly impacted everybody else out in the world. I mean, we knew how it affected us as kids having filmed it and then going around and singing it, but we really didn't know how it was going to be received by everybody at the convention and that. And so it was really lovely to meet a couple of the wonderful actresses. You know, they came up and they said hello and, you know, they said it was really great that we were there too. So, I mean, you know, we have had interactions with some of them, but Outside of that, unfortunately, we really haven't seen any of them or talked to them, no. For us, it was just a small one-day part, and then we never ever thought that anybody was ever going to hear or see of it again and that. And, you know, it really... I think it was you who someone sent a meme to about it one year, right? And we just... We really just got quite a kick out of it. We were That's when we kind of learned that it had a bigger impact and a bigger following than we thought. Well, the one time you did a signing, excuse me, swig of beer for the working man, uh, <laughs> but the signing you did, you mentioned about folks coming over and saying hello from the franchise, but what was the fan reaction like for you? Well, um, the first time I ever went to a con, I was just helping out my dad in Indianapolis. It was my first time at Horror Hound. Um, and I happened to be walking through the vendor area and I, I was there just helping out dad and, um, my first experience. And I happened to be buying some patches from one of the vendors, uh, Mr. Seams, if you've ever seen him uh, at a convention, but, um, I, I was buying some patches and randomly we just started talking and, um, <laughs> and I just said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm taking him to my dad. He's over at this other booth. And I kind of mentioned who he was and he was like, oh yeah, I've met Tony, you know, that's great. And that, and the next thing I know, somebody from a booth across the way came over and goes, I recognize you. And I'm, and of course I, my first hound, I didn't know anybody. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. I'm thinking my personal life. Like, and he's like, no, you're in that book. And I'm like, what book? Because I, I didn't remember that we were in that that larger, what the was that book? Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. coffee table book <laughs> that had all the wonderful interviews in it. Yeah. And I, I'd forgotten about that. So I was like, uh, okay. And he goes, yeah. And he knew my name. He knew my sister. And I was like, okay, now it's getting weird. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and, um, and he's, and finally uh, a friend came over and he goes, you're one of the jump rope girls. And everybody at that moment that was standing around kind of immediately just kind of like, was like, what? And I'll never forget Mr. Seam's face and uh, the vendor that was next to him. Uh, I I will never forget that moment because at that time I kind of went, what is just, what is happening? <laughs> um, and then from that time, literally going back to the table and talking to my dad and that, the next thing I knew, people were coming up to the table and going, is your sister here? Are you here? Or what are you, are you guys signing? And immediately the, the conversations were happening. And I just, and my dad, I think was overwhelmed at the time too. I think he was like, oh my gosh, like these people know who you are. And I'm like, and that's when I said, dad, do you remember that book? And he's like, oh yeah. And then we meet, Immediately came home, uh, like I came home and I was like, we need to find this book. Like, <laughs> and that was kind of the beginning of just going, oh my gosh, like I didn't know people were wanting us in their collection. I didn't realize that. 
And so uh, I think it was just, it's a lot of fun. It's been fun talking to everybody and knowing that there's, there's this like immense community that love this movie. You know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I think also too, one of the great things was when we were uh, fortunate enough to be asked to sign at Horror Hound uh, that September, we weren't really quite sure what to expect. And immediately the first night that we got there before we'd even opened the doors or people were coming in and that, you know, different vendors, because obviously our faces had been on the website to let people know and that different vendors had already recognized us. And they were like, we're coming over to your table. I have something, you know, for you to sign and that. And then when the doors open and the, people started coming in and that, and they were coming up to the table and speaking with us and that. I think that was really great for us because we just were so excited to hear their stories about how the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise had made a big impact in their life and how, you know, they had grown up with it and the different things that they remember about it and that. And I think one of the coolest things was somebody said to us, you know, what was it? They said something about... Thanks for uh, giving me nightmares all of these years. You know, they said those little jump rope girls, they were creepy. So it was just, it was amazing and incredible. And we just love talking to the different fans and the lovers of all the different horror films and that out there. It's just been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And sure. with all that being said, is that when we decided to start the Instagram and the Facebook page and put the public email out there for everybody to reach out if they wish to do so respectfully mind you well I, I don't think it was at the beginning of the first one it was actually after last year when we were just we were at horror hound in the capacity just helping our dad um you know it's obviously a family affair so whenever our dad goes to these different things you know we usually go along to help him just because because it's it's a lot of work to be bringing in his photos and the different things like that. And he, you know, he asks us if we'll come and, and help him. And we've always been fans of his career and have always followed his career and just, you know, been really in awe of the things that he did. And when we were at this convention, a lot of working with him, a lot of people were asking us, do you guys have an Instagram? Do you guys have a Facebook page? Do you have a way we can get a hold of you via email and that? And at the time we didn't, and we just kept being told over and over, you really should, you really should, you know? And so that's when we decided to start working on it and trying to get it moving in that, because I mean, things like a little girl wanted to send us a photo that she drew. So it was just a way to be able to get in contact with people. And also, you know, if people had any questions to drop us a line, you know, things like that. Um, and in doing so, we were able to, like we talked about earlier, you know, um, do a podcast with a gentleman over in England who's starting his own group. And we were able to do a podcast with a gentleman that we met at, at Horror Hound who, you know, he's doing podcasts for his community and getting them going. And then, of course, we met you and, you know, we started talking to you about having 
um, an interview on the podcast and how many years you've been doing this and, you know, the people that you've interviewed and things like that. So it was just a way for us to start to connect more with the people outside of Horror Hound because, you know, they kept asking, how can we get a hold of you? How can we, you know, connect with you? So it was a way to start that. Well, I will definitely put the Facebook page and Instagram and whatnot in the description on outlets of this. But my last question for you, ladies, is, and you have a unique perspective, I would think, because, yes, Tony was just dad for you guys and still is just dad at the end of the day. And... However, dad had a unique job in the entertainment field. He was stunts and all that kind of stuff doing what he did. But what was it like for you guys to, where most kids going to school and all, oh, dad's a plumber, dad works at McDonald's, dad does this, dad's a lawyer, a doctor, whatever. Yeah, your traditional, quote unquote, nine to five jobs. Hey, what's your dad do? Oh, he works in stunts. He does it. Yeah, you know I mean, like his job was completely different than most parents. So what was that like growing up with a parent in the entertainment industry? I think our friends, um, as, as we were in elementary school and that, our friends probably, when we would say stuntman, our friends kind of just were like, okay, what is that? Like no one really kind of grasped that at that time. Uh, it wasn't until probably like our high school years mm-hmm. that I would say it started to really like, like our friends started to really kind of understand what was going on. Um, I know one of my friends got to read um, part of the screen script before it went out. And that is like one of her favorite memories of like going through high school with me is she got to read that and then she ended up getting to attend a a rap party with me on that particular movie uh so that was that was a great memory for her but i know for you you did a lot of like sleepovers and stuff like that so you can right so i had a lot of friends that would come over and would you know we would have sleepovers you know a bunch of us girls and that and that's actually one of the ways that i saw the original nightmare on elm street all the way through when i was younger I hadn't seen it all the way through. So I had a group of girlfriends that came over and we had a big sleepover and we watched Nightmare on Elm Street and it freaked everybody out. And then in our home, our dad has a case, which some people have seen at different conventions of the original Freddy Krueger mask from the fire burn, the original ghost mask that glows and the original mask from the thing that he used in the fire burn. And it, stood in our living room so you know when there's a bunch of girls laying on the floor in sleeping bags and these faces especially the ghost face um the scream mask is glowing in the night and it's just staring at you you know my friends were this is too creepy we have to like cover this with a beach towel or something because i can't go to sleep (laughs) with it staring at me So we had to take a quick uh, brief intermission due to a little power issue. But you were talking about the response of girlfriends and such hanging out in sleepovers. And so do you want to pick up on that? Sure. So I think it was just like we were saying with our dad and that and like you were saying, 
to us, he was just dad. Um, to our friends, you know, he was just a dad that had a, a pretty cool job. And sometimes, you know, they were able to go along with us and see it. And then sometimes they were able to talk with them about it and that. Um, I think for us, it was probably more of a clarification with like, teachers and things like that than friends. I think um, one time, one of us, I don't remember which one, but we accidentally went to school and it was, you know, what are your parents doing? What is this? And we happened to tell a friend, my dad sets himself on fire for a living. And it was a little bit like, wait a second. And then our teachers were like, okay, I think you need to clarify that for us. So it was more along that lines, it was, I think, a little bit more of a shock for people. But, um, you know, we knew that, I mean, and I know this is going to probably sound silly to some people, but for us, that was dad, and that was dad's job. And dad knew how to do his job safely and how to do his job well. So yes, his hours might be different. Yes, what he was doing might be strange. Um, but to us at the end of the day, it was dad's leaving to go to his job and he's going to do it well and safe. And he's going to come home at the end of the day, you know, like everybody else's parents do. And so, um, it was, it was pretty interesting, you know, yeah, growing up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like you said, it's like dad sets himself on fire to put, <laughs> keep the lights on. Right. <laughs> so yeah, is what it is, but, uh, I'm, I thought about it when we had this little uh, interruption and obviously you both have families and you know, spouses and kids and all that fun stuff. And for the most part, tend to go with a quote unquote normal lifestyle, but obviously family would be aware or they would be aware of dad or grandpa and all that fun stuff. What do they think of, even though you had one scene in a classic movie, but also what grandpa, what's the family think of what we got into? You know, more so like the husbands and stuff. Kids were actually born into it, so it's not, they don't know any different, but if that makes sense. Right. I, I think for the most part, they just kind of look at him as that's just my father-in-law. That's just, you know, family. And that's that. I mean, um, you know, by the time they came around, a lot of them, he was already close to the end of his career and he was retiring out. So to, you know, everybody, he was just, you know, he was just my father-in-law. He was just dad, um, you know, and I, I think that's pretty much it. Um you know, the one grandson does know that grandpa was a stuntman and he calls the conventions the spooky toy shows because he's been to one and he's seen all of the different collectibles and memorabilia that's out. So from that point of view, you know, that's what the that's what the grandson thinks. Um, he just thinks grandpa works at cool, you know, scary toy con shows. Um, but everybody else kids? was just, does he expect no he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> no he actually charged grandpa for his signature so. <laughs> oh that's great I like it well obviously uh, we'll wrap with this ladies and I like that charging grandpa for his uh, signature <laughs> oh that's yeah you threw me off for a second there <laughs> Which normally don't happen for me, but 
I, I like that. But I'll admit when I'm had. What kind of uh, movies would you say you guys like? Are you of the horror genre that you sit back and watch? But what kind of entertain? What works if we were hanging out in your houses? If we had a beer or a glass of wine or whatever, dinner, whatever. What's the entertainment? Where does your entertainment dollar go? Is it Netflix? Are you guys to theater, movies? What works for you guys? Um, I have quite a big background in entertainment, um, uh, working out in California at Disneyland. So for me, I I am your musical fan. I, I'd love a great musical, but um, I will say I lot of, I like a lot of the classic horror films. So the black and whites, kind of the ones that you know a lot of people don't find scary anymore. The old universal, um, the old universal right. stuff. Yeah, you know I love that, but I will say. Um, my ultimate favorites, uh, have to be Ghostbuster was one of my favorites. Um, so for me, that's always a, a repetitive movie. <laughs> um, but I would say a lot of, I really loved a lot of the eighties, um, timeframe, uh, as far as the movies go. Um, I, I love a great, great musical, like I said. So I think for me, that would be kind of how we would interact or hang out, you know, and I am a big fan of all the 80s cartoons. So I love all of that stuff. But um, I think that would be my my go to. I think for me, it would probably be a lot of um, because obviously, since we grew up in the 80s and that I was a huge Breakfast Club fan, uh, Lost Boys fan, you know, movies like that. Um, and like my sister, I grew up watching a lot of the old universal ones because we did live in Los Angeles. And so sometimes we were up on the lot with our dad at universal and I just loved soaking in all of the different knowledge of, you know, Lon Chaney, Bella Lugosi, all of those old classic films. And then obviously like Hitchcock, which was more kind of suspense and that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like a lot of those old classics too. Um, like my sister, I'm a huge fan of Ghostbusters, always have been, always will be. And then one that a lot of people don't talk about a lot and some people do is I was a big fan of Swamp Thing, one of uh, Wes's films. I was a big fan of the first Swamp Thing and that. So that would be something I would watch too. But I was a big one for, you know, Breakfast Club and things like that and Lost Boys. Those would be the types of things I would watch. And it's funny, I just recently, probably about two months ago or so, two and a half months ago, spoke with Adrian from Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, lovely woman. I don't know if you guys ever got a chance to talk with her, but yeah, lovely lady. What is, do you guys have anything upcoming show-wise? Is it Back to Horror Hound? Or is Dad got something you're going to go help him with? What's next for you guys on the public front? Sure. Um, right at this time, there's not really anything in the work. This is still pretty new to us. And I don't think there's a lot of people that really know that we're out there um, and that, you know, we do do signings and that. So we were very lucky and fortunate to be able to do Whorehound. Um, I know our dad has some stuff in the works. And so we're just kind of helping him get those things going. I think he's doing something um, with Sean Clark and another convention sometime in January or February. Um, I don't think that either of us will be at that one. That one's 
quite a ways away in that and he's traveling to that one. So for us, there's not really quite anything going on at the moment. Just, you know, answering questions of fans, reaching out to, you know, the fans that have reached out to us to respond to them, you know, letting them know that we are here to answer their questions. Uh, and like we've said, we've had a couple of people contact us, you know, who are starting um, you know, like horror groups in the UK and things like that, that have asked us if we would, you know, be willing to talk to them. And we're always open for that. You know, we, we have nothing to hide. We are who we are. We, you know, are very blessed that we were able to do a nightmare on Elm street and it is something that will be a part of our lives forever. And I don't think that song will ever leave our heads <laughs> or our hearts. Um, you know, so we are always willing and, and looking to do things in the future and that. So we're not quite sure what's ahead for us at the moment. But, you know, obviously helping our dad and, you know, helping him with what he's got going. You know, he had an incredible career of over 200 movies and television credits to his name and that. So it's a, a lot to kind of help him get that organized and get that going for when he does events, too. So for sure. Right on. And. Trust me, if we could predict the future, I sure as hell would have bought a Powerball ticket. <laughs> At 1.19 billion or whatever it is. Ladies, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Absolutely. Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game.
Robert England, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Don't take a nap. <laughs> 